0: You're listening to the NASM CPT podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I. I have been doing a lot of presenting lately at conferences, I've, I've traveled internationally, I've done multiple conferences already this year. And, and I get people that reach out to me on social media. And I love this question, because I've been that guy. I would say, hey, how can I become a presenter? I want to do what you do. It looks amazing. Can I do what you do? Can I be a presenter? And I generally just say no. No, I don't. I'd say that would be amazing. It would be amazing if you became an industry presenter. Um, And then the questions are, well, how do I get to do that? So it's... It's tricky. I'm not going to lie. I The way that I got to where I am doing the presentations that I'm doing, uh, I'm very fortunate because I started at a series of gyms that, that had a training and development department that taught exercise science to all the new trainers. And it was a large network of gyms. And so they always had trainers that were leaving, which means we always needed new trainers that, to come in. And um a lot of times people weren't qualified. And we would teach these, you know, days-long exercise science courses to the new trainers that were coming in. Well, I at one point was a new trainer and I wanted to be the person that was just doing that exercise science course. I was like, how amazing! This person is teaching exercise science to new trainers. Can can I do that? And um, and one day I had an assistant fitness manager that taught these courses. And she was just like, you would be so good. You, you would be so good. You should teach those courses. And I would be like, how? How do I teach those courses? She would say, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I said, well, just put a, a good word in for me. And at one point, um, they needed new people teaching the courses. And um, I interviewed and auditions so we would actually have to get up and teach something. Well, I had a little background in performance. And so my abilities, I think, to um, to know the content, which I think is very important, and also my ability to, with calm and ease, and I would dare say entertainment in front of a group, w- allowed me to garner this new position. So the very first thing that I think you need to do as we walk away and this kind of, I started teaching there and then NASM sent some people over to teach us how to teach the NASM stuff because we were trying to incorporate that. And then a guy named Rob Retman who taught that course pulled me aside, who worked for NASM at the time and said, you should teach for NASM. So uh, uh, it was A while later that I actually did apply for a job at NASM and I was accepted. So I started teaching for them. Back in 2006, uh, things have changed a lot since then. in the industry also changed a lot with what NASM's expectations are in their presenters. Um, And so I was fortunate at the time to have gotten in and to be able to work with this incredible company. So what about you? Um, first and foremost, none of it means anything if you don't know your stuff. So you have to know your stuff. Well, what stuff is there that I need to know? I I would, I I would say if whatever it is that you want to teach, you need to know that. And for me, I was teaching a broad range of topics. So there were basically textbooks worth of stuff that I needed to know. Um, and and so for you, what what stuff do you know and what do you need to know? Because you have to be able to, to teach, which means you may not need to know an array of stuff because you're not teaching an entire exercise science curriculum. What you may be doing is maybe you want to teach kettlebells. Maybe you want to teach beginners how to do kettlebells. Well, first of all, you need to know your stuff. But then let's fast forward to number two because it's going to take a while to really learn it and own it and do it. But then you need to teach it. And I'm not talking about teach it like a presenter at a conference. Like you'd be, you you got to be able to teach your clients. you got to practice this, not just with self, do I know it, can I now do it, and can I teach others to do it as well? So I want to be able to teach my clients and realize that some of these cueings can be very, very challenging. And whenever those cues are challenging, it is never your client's fault. You got to always look at it and say, what can I do differently as their trainer, as a teacher, as an educator that allows me to use my language, to use my positioning, my body, my physical self to show them? to use my words to tell them, and then to guide them in the process of their performance of whatever it is. Good. And then you say, okay, now I know my stuff. I have learned my stuff. I have practiced teaching others this stuff. And this and, and even if it's not kettlebells, let's use another example before we move on. Let's say that it's more technical. So maybe you are really big into muscle physiology and you want to talk about, oh, this is how the uh, electrical impulses are created with things like um, calcium and potassium channels or sodium and calcium channels and how that works. And that creates an action potential that leads to the creation of movement or muscle contraction, and then you want to go into saying, actually, muscles contract from sarcomere to sarcomere, uh, Z-line to Z-line within a sarcomere, which is the cell, uh, and you want to go in deep, and now you've got the sliding filament theory, and you want to talk about actin and myosin and titan, and then you say, and now there's another theory called the winding filament theory. You know, I've never talked about the winding filament theory. Hmm. Perhaps. I will do a show at some point on the winding filament theory, which is uh, theoretically another way of muscle contraction. Moving back to where we were just talking about. So now I've got this and now you're doing all of this stuff, which is not so much like, "Hey, on, let me show you how to swing a kettlebell. But you got to teach others how to do it. So now I would say work with your fitness manager and your general manager and say, all right, well, I've I've been working on... Exercise physiology and some ways that the inner workings of movement science. I want to teach that to the group. Can we set up a time during our, whatever? It's a, you have a monthly meeting, maybe of, of all the trainers, and you go over kind of business goals, and then you do um, maybe a trainer profile, and that trainer gets up and teaches and wants to teach you something. That's what you want to do. This is your time to shine right? So teach the stuff that you know. So know your stuff and then teach the stuff that you know. And then of course, here's the takeaway, practice presenting. You got to practice presenting it. You have to practice it in front of people because a lot of times you talk about things in your head and it sounds really good. And then you get up in front of people and it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't come out the way it is in your head. It comes out, you said, in my head, this Winding filament theory and acting and Mice. And when you say the words, it's like, hurra, hurra. there's nothing, nothing. And you don't want to do that on stage at conference. So what have you worked up to? Who have you spoke in front of? Have you spoken in front of your peers just as fitness professionals? You can also practice presenting with, um, I like these, they're called lunch and learns that a lot of corporations have. So if you work in a place that has corporations and you want to teach something about exercise or movement or enhancing quality of life through fitness, um, and then present that to uh, a corporation and say, I would like to come to the bank during their lunch hours. I would like to come to this, this IT department during their lunch hours and, and give this I would like to come to your school during lunch and have spaghetti thrown at me but I will I will do it in order to get the reps in and I also like spaghetti Just try. You got to practice. What about civic events? Civic events like could be, I don't know, the Shriners. It could be a city council meeting where you present to the city council the importance of movement and exercise and fitness and how things work and how that affects us as a community, creating a community and teaching within the community. It's some type of civic event. I think those are really valuable. And then certainly any kind of networking groups that you can Getting to, in front of because the networking groups all kind of give you a one minute pitch, 30 second pitch right at the very beginning. You go around and who you are away from, you know, this is this is what I do. This is the 30 second pitch and you refine it, you refine it, you refine it. And then that 30 second pitch becomes your basically your your pitched presentation that you might want to give to those conferences one day. All right. What's next? Uh I would say the next thing is if you want to present at a conference you need to be going to conferences. You do say I really want to present at conferences and you say what conferences have you even been to because they're going to ask what you've presented at before most likely. Uh and everybody starts somewhere, right? So it's the trick is it's um it's a catch 22. You you can't speak at a conference unless you have history speaking at conferences. And there's so many jobs like that. You can't do this unless you have experience doing this. Well, where do you get that experience? And smaller steps. So then they look at it and they say, well, never, she's never presented at a conference, but she's done this and she's got this. and she. And then they can be very impressed with your history, with your background, with the pedigree of what you're giving to them because of what you have done leading up to this pitch. All right. Hey, that's a that's a great idea. It's going to work out well for you if you've got some stuff to give them. So you got to go to the conferences. First thing to do at the conferences is learn. <laughs> There's nothing better than going and learning at conferences. You got to go to the conferences and hit all of these that you can and then Don't just take in the content. Watch the presenters and then take notes on how they present. This is what I like about the presenter. These are some of the things that would not work for me as a presenter. These are some things they did that I would like to make work for me if possible. And you go and you learn their content. That's great. But pay attention to how they work the room how they speak, how they move, how they don't move, the dynamics in their language, audible pauses, what are their phrases that they say a lot. Taking that in and using their presentation skills to your advantage to refine. And then when you go to these conferences, the next thing I'd say is get the slides for the presentations which they offer at every conference here are the slides of the presenters slideshow that they're presenting from and then use those slides to be like this is how they do their slides this is what i liked about this presenter slides this is what i didn't like about this presenter's slide and then you go through and you be like okay well how am i going to create my slide presentation in the way that I like the most, which is within a realm of something that I can do. I would also say that uh you're you're gonna want to add visuals to it. So you may want to do a membership to Canva. There's free version of Canva, uh C-A-N-V-A. It's a it's like stocked photos, and then you can also do it. It's a hundred and something bucks a year, and then you can use their photos and you can apply those to presentations, and then you can put those in your slideshows and that. That's something that has been wonderfully helpful for me when it comes to developing slideshows and giving a visual because honestly, when you do your slides, you don't write down everything you're going to say. Otherwise, just do a blog or write a book, for goodness sakes. But you want to put down kind of an overview, a topic of what you're gonna talk about, and then you within the dome are gonna to have to be like, oh, that is leading me to all of this content that I can speak on. Why? Because you go back to the first step, which is because you know your stuff. So you don't get up there and be like, I asked an hour presentation, but I went through all my slides in 15 minutes, and now I don't know what to do. Why? Because it, you go faster, especially if you're new to presenting, things go by faster, you, you move quickly, you are afraid that you've got too much content sometimes, and so you need to hurry up and get through it. And then all of a sudden, you, didn't, you got through everything, but you didn't go in deep on anything, you didn't create a story around it, you didn't provide context, you just came out with stuff. And we need that to come alive. We need the education to come alive, to create a story, to create uh, a tapestry. There needs to be a canvas that you're painting on, not just putting words on. Create that story. And you need to network. Now you got their slides, you know how they do it, you have an idea of how you're gonna present yours, you're gonna practice that too. But also, when you go to this, you're going to network. You're going to network with presenters. You're going to say things that I did to presenters. Hey, how do I become a presenter? And they're going to be like, well, you need to know your stuff. You need to know people in the industry. You need to So what are we going to do in this networking event? Well, know your stuff has already come. You are continuing to learn, so let's add that to it. And I'm networking right now at a, a presenter party. So the parties where your presenters are at. Listen, sometimes the presenters want to go and hang out with their friends, and so make sure that that you are as polite as possible because sometimes they just didn't come to this to necessarily um, speak to you and only you about you. So plant your seeds. Ask if you can reach out to them on uh, email or Instagram or however they best like to communicate. You'd like to follow up and ask a few questions. And if they give you the green light, then do that. If they don't, uh, do a lot of follow-up because you have a lot of questions then don't be mad at them they they have full-time jobs they are going to and they get hit a lot with people asking these questions so usually this is one of the things tim ferris likes to point out is that um you want to do something that makes them want to talk to you there's you, the first thing you do is usually not ask things of people because you don't want to be the ask hole. So you may want to actually ask what you can contribute to them and what they're doing and then start building a relationship. And from that relationship, it then kind of blossoms into this very organic means of developing relationship, not just with the presenters, but with the hosts of the conference that you want to present at. Get to know the people behind the scenes. And that will be very helpful. All right. The last thing that I want to say, because we talked about We talked about knowing your stuff. We talked about teaching the stuff that you know. We talked about practicing presenting things at Lunch and Learns and civic events and networking events. We talked about if you want to present at conferences, you got to go to conferences. You got to go to learn. You got to get the slides and try to know what, how they do it. You need to network presenters and the host. But the last thing is, what if none of that works? I would say there are two things. One is conferences oftentimes partner with companies like NASM, and I, on behalf of NASM, will speak at these conferences. So it's not just whether or not you want to speak at a conference. It's whether or not you have put yourself in a position to work at a company that will sponsor you to speak on their behalf. Well, how do I do that? Well, it just depends. Like There are a lot of companies out there, like gym manufacturing companies, education companies. All of these things are there. So if you want to practice and you want to get really good at presenting a certain person or a certain education content, And you start working for them. I don't know, Stick Mobility, TRX, Trigger Point, all of these brands that exist out there that have people that present education. So it's not the conference hiring an individual. It is the conference bringing in a company and the company then puts the individual in front of there. So you could speak on behalf of Technogym or whomever, but you have to create those relationships with those companies. And if not, then what? I think that you also have to be okay with I made a good run and I tried to be a presenter and it didn't work. And I've tried and I've done it year after year and maybe it's just not happening for you for whatever reason. That's okay. It's okay because not everyone is a presenter. And I've said this before and I find it so valuable that if you are that good that you believe in yourself that you could be up there presenting with the best of the people out there doing it. But for whatever reason, you don't work with the right company, you don't have the right in, and nobody knows you that's, that's doing the selection. They really liked you, kind of a finalist, but there was already two others that were presenting on the same topic, and they've been to this conference multiple times, so we can't tell them no. I think you might have a stronger impact as a mentor. So maybe not as much of an impact as you would see for so many people. I want to I wanna address 30 people at a time, 300 people at a time, depending on the conference, the topic, and the, the pulling power. Maybe just go one-on-one. And now you really focus one-on-one with people who want to know what you know. Maybe your presentership turns into a mentorship. And then it's not just here's an hour's worth of stuff. It's I've got a lot of content to talk about and I need to be talking about that for hours and hours, maybe not in a row, certainly, but with an individual that I'm mentoring. So it's not just here's a a, uh, broad topic that I'm trying to narrow down. I can go really narrow and speak for an hour or two Or I can go really broad and speak for an hour or two. But if I'm doing a mentorship and you're coming in for, let's say, an eight-week mentorship where we talk 30 minutes to an hour, um, that's a lot deeper. That's that's four to eight hours of work that you're doing so you become smarter. You become more more knowledge, more in-depth knowledge in what it is that you're talking about and you're working one-on-one with somebody so that they have a strong takeaway and that they are a better trainer at the end of the day because they're working with you. So how can I become a presenter? Know your stuff, teach your stuff, practice presenting, go to the conferences. And if not, just work more on not focusing on presenting but a mentorship. And if you go back several months, you'll find the NASM CPT podcast that I've talked about mentorship, where I basically started with, you may not be a presenter, but this is where you should go as you advance your career as a personal trainer, is become a mentor to others. And that's what I would like to say. Uh, also, you may not be doing presentations out in front of your peers in the fitness world. But doing those out in the community, kind of creating yourself as the go-to individual within the fitness world in the community that you serve is incredibly valuable. So keep working at that. So don't give up. It's just the vision. Vision's still there. It just looks a little different. Education and all the stuff you practice for, it's still there and you're still doing it, it just looks a little different. And it may be far more fulfilling as you work closer with the community that you're a part of uh, in your neighborhood, or you work with the American Diabetes Association, because you're the go-to person when it comes to type 2 diabetes and fitness, or you're the go-to person with Alzheimer's. Is that a community? Is it medical that you're working with? Is it um, I'm just like, I'm the guy that works with runners. And if you really want to be good at running, you come to me and I'm just that guy within the community that people are going to come see. What's your role? What's your part? It doesn't work out for everybody the way we always see it, but you create your niche. And I hope that you do. Thank you so much for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. Leave a comment. I'd appreciate that. And then if you want to reach out to me, you've got an idea for a topic for a podcast or you just want to say, hey, then reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickrichie or you can email me rick.richie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Y'all keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.